Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Lake Homa. If you're visiting with us, we are honored to have you as our guest. Thank you for being with us today. We're in a series called Beyond, and today we're looking at Beyond Apathy. I have a question for you. I have a question for you. How many of you over these past two years have felt the stress of the two years that have been that we've gone through? Anybody? Okay. Over these past two years, we have faced a pandemic. We have also, and, and during that time, during the pandemic, we have lost many of our loved ones here, many of the people that we hold dear. We have also gone through a church crisis. And if that's not enough, we watch on television as the, we see the Ukraine war and everything that's happening there. There's economic inflation. Some of you have probably never even experienced that in your lifetime or know what this is like. And our hearts are broken and sad because there have been 26 school shootings in our nation this past school year. And there were 19 kids and two teachers that passed away this past week in Texas. The boat we find ourselves in is exhausting. I mean, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to row for the months and months of uncertainty that we live in. We find it much easier to just stay in the boat. It's just easier just to stay in the boat. We're tired. We're worn out. We're fatigued. We do not want to face what is waiting for us on the shore. It's just easier. It's just easier for us to just stay in the boat. And I'll just let you in on a secret. Every church in this nation is going through the same difficulties that we are. Not the same experiences, but basically the same attitudes. It's not that we don't want to get out, the, out of the boat. We do. We actually do, but we don't have the energy anymore. In our tiredness, in our fatigue, we become unconcerned, we become unresponsive, and we become indifferent. In many of our lives, we just don't care. We just don't care. And the spiritual fervor that has been in our churches has got up and went. It's gone. And like 75% of the congregations in America, the biggest challenge facing, facing churches today is spiritual apathy. When the world needs us most, needs the church to be strong in the face of uncertainty, to be there when the going gets tough, we find ourselves many times just weighed down by life. It's easier for us just not to care. And I'm not blaming anybody. I mean, like I said, everybody's going through this. But I want us to realize kind of where we are. So today I want to speak about spiritual apathy. And I think the place to begin is just defining what spiritual apathy is. I'm going to start by reading this passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. It says this, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. 
Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. In this passage, in this passage, there is a lack of concern, there is a lack of interest for the wedding of the son. And I'm sure it would be a great wedding. I'm sure that it was going to be a fantastic wedding. But for me, you may say, it's just not something that for these people that we're listening to reading about. It was just not something they wanted to give their attention to at the time. They had to go back to the business. They had to go back to their field. I have other things that require my attention. And the wedding of the Lamb, well, well, I can't make it to the wedding of the Lamb. I don't want to go. I, James, I just don't have the bandwidth. And I wonder if what I'm saying right now is hitting on where you think you may be in your life. Before we get into the rest of the text, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Lord, as I come before you this morning with the saints who are gathered here, I thank you for them. I thank you for their hearts, for the love, for the care. I thank you for this family. Lord, we're talking about something that's really pretty tough to talk about. It's really hitting us because all of us are struggling right now. With everything that's going on, it's, it's hard to just move. So Lord, I ask that you be with us as we study that you will touch our hearts with your word and that you will fill us up in the emptiness that we feel. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so what is at the root of spiritual apathy? What is at the root of spiritual apathy? Now, apathy comes from the Greek word apatheos, meaning a lack of feeling. It's a lack of feeling. Apathy is defined as a lack of interest, a lack of enthusiasm, or concern. Metaxas and Guthrie put it this way. They said, spiritual apathy is a theological stance of answering the God question with the shrug of the shoulders. Who cares? Or teenagers, whatever. A new term, which is not even in the dictionary yet, not even in the dictionary yet, at the moment, it's a new term called apathyism, and an apatheist is a person who has little interest in religious belief and rarely allows spiritual matters to occupy their mental space. Now, apatheism is less theological and more attitudinal in nature. Listen to this passage. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, those by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Apathy has blended into our theology. And let me just give you a few examples of that. And these are from some studies. I'll get to that in a minute. 
most Christian parents right now do not have enough biblical literacy to even pass down to our children the most basic tenets of faith, according to a recent Barna study. According to George Barna, director of the Research of Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian, he said, a paltry 2% of parents of preteens, children in their worldview development window, only 2% have a biblical worldview. 2%. Why? What's the reason for this? He said the answer, parents are too distracted or disinterested to acknowledge and address this spiritual parenting crisis. And one of the causes for that, one of the causes for that is actually drifting. It's drifting. Hebrews 2 verse 1 says this, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Drifting is often undetected. It's often undetected. We don't realize we're moving further and further away from the foundation of our faith until it's actually too late. And those of us who are grandparents, those of us who are grandparents, we look at our children and we look at our grandchildren and we wonder where our families are going to end up. Some of us have profound guilt in our lives as parents and grandparents, because we thought, we thought we gave our children a solid foundation of truth. We thought by bringing them to church, the national average of four hours a month would keep them from drifting, but that didn't happen. Many feel the heartache of sons and daughters, granddaughters and grandsons, who are not faithful. And this is such a profound lesson for all of us, is it not? We know, we know, apathy is frowned on, is frowned on by our Savior. It is. Apathy is a sin that should not be taken lightly. See, God wants no part of churches that are lukewarm. He said that. He wants no part of lukewarm Christians. Listen to this verse. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, Jesus Christ, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. They are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You may say, yes, James, I know, I know. I, I know apathy. I get it. I know it's about lukewarm. I know it's a sin. I get that. But James, right now, I can't move. Do you understand what has gone on in the last two years? Do you understand what's going on in this world? I, I can't move. And I, I feel guilty every day because I'm not moving. I'm stuck. Help me get unstuck. All right, let me, before we get to that, what are the causes of apathy in our lives? What are some of the causes of apathy in our life? Often spiritual apathy is born out of hardships in our life. Job 3, verses 25 through 26 says this. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, 
I have no rest, but only turmoil. So when we experience soul-level disappointments in our lives, when our hurts and our stings, those unfulfilled expectations rise to a level of this painful disappointments in our lives, we feel like we're on a desert all alone. We feel like I cannot get out of this boat. And during great times of stress in our life, during great times of stress, when it just feels like there's one punch right after another, one punch right after another, it seems relentless. And therefore, what happens? Apathy sets in. And like I said before and earlier, we become indifferent, we become unresponsive, we become detached, and we become passive. Our empathy requires us, it just requires us just to grip the boat even harder and hang on. We have little energy to do anything else. Again, we know, we know. We know we need to get out of the boat, but we just, right now, we just don't care at the moment. And our exhaustion often leads to bad decisions in our lives. We pull away and we cocoon ourselves in, in a shell and hope that it just all goes away. We just want it all to go the way. But that was not what the first century church did. When the going was tough, that's when they were at their best. When it looked like the world was falling apart, they got busy. But see, the other reason not just a drifting, but spiritual apathy is often a result of letting our tank run dry. Our tank run dry. Psalm 107, verses 4 and 5, Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. When we were in uh, uh, Israel, Deborah and I got to go to the desert. It was one of the worst days that we were there. It was about 45 degrees or 50 degrees, and there was about a 35-mile-an-hour wind in the wilderness. It's not a desert like you see in Sahara. It's more of a rocky wilderness type thing. And, and you were looking for cover, and there wasn't any. Now, just think about that. Think of if you were there in that, that wilderness, and you were there when it was 105 and 110, and there wasn't any wind at all. And you're out there in the middle of a desert and wandering in a wilderness, and you're looking for shade. You're looking for something to give you hope in the midst of all of that heat. Well, we came across, there's a tree over there. It doesn't grow just everywhere. It's called a tamarisk tree. It's native to the Holy Lands. It was known from the biblical times as a wonderful shade tree. Its needles used the salt crystals to draw stray moisture from the air in the arid climate. The evaporation of that moisture also helps cool the the air around the trees down to some 15 to 20 degrees difference than where it is if you're outside that shade. And oftentimes, we wander around the desert, the desert wasteland, and our tanks are empty. Our tanks are empty. We look for a lifeline. We look for a tree. We look for some shade. We look for something that we can just go that can just give us some relief. And brothers and sisters, God is that shade for us, right? God is the one that provides that shade for us to help us when we are, when we are weary and we, we are empty. We need Him in our lives. 
our apathy, our apathy often pushes us away from God. Why? It pushes us away from God because we believe sometimes we ask God, where are you? Why aren't you more responsive to my needs? Why aren't you here right now when, when I'm in the midst of all this hurt and all this pain? And we look around and we wonder, does he care? Does he care? Psalm 121 verse 5 said this, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Jeremiah 31, 25, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Isaiah 40, verse 29, he gives, the, he gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. John 4, verse 14, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So, how do we force ourselves, how do we help ourselves to care? How do we help ourselves to care? All right, so I'm going to ask you a statement. I want to show of hand. How many of you think this statement is true? Here it is. We don't care as much for the things of God as we once did. How many think of you that it may be true? Okay. We don't care as much for the things of God as we once did. And listen, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about 40 years ago or 50 years ago during those church glory days back then. I'm talking about two years ago. Just two years ago. Three years ago. We have moved from engaging to disconnecting. We moved from passion to apathy in just a few short years. And like I said, we're not the only church that's going through this. Every single church, every single church is going through the same thing. And we know, we know that there's a lot of factors involved as to why we're feeling this way. Apathy is real. It's real. We just don't care as much anymore. We have forsaken our first love. And we know this, and sometimes we feel it, we, we get it, we understand it. We're, it actually bothers us. We miss that connection and community we've had with one another. So where do we go from here? How do we get to a better place? How do we develop that passion for the holy? How do we force ourselves to actually care? All right, let me give you three words, three words, and then I'm going to fill those in in just a minute. The three words are fear, love, and obedience. Fear, love, and obedience. As a society, I believe that we have lost a healthy fear of God. We've lost a healthy fear of God. We often believe that God is our cosmic genie. He ought to give us our heart's desires. He ought to, just every request ought to be filled, filled from Him. And if He doesn't, it's difficult to actually love God if He doesn't fulfill every need of ours, especially when we don't get our way, right? Can I let you in on a little secret? Let me let you in on a little secret. God is not in the business of making us happy. He's in the business of making us holy. He's in the business of making us holy. And when we are made in the image of our Creator and we learn and grow toward holiness, we will find that happiness. 
in Him. Our struggle with God is, our struggle with God is, if He doesn't give us happiness when we want it, we kind of become apathetic and uncommitted. Why isn't He doing what He's supposed to do right now? Why am I hurting the way I am? I want to encourage you with these words from Hebrews chapter 12. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My sons, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those He loves, and He punishes everyone He accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Okay, so here's my first word. Those three. The first one is fear God. Fear God. If we're going to get out of apathy... Our first thing is, is we have to have this healthy respect of fear for God. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 says, Now all this all that has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Jeremiah 24 verse 7, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord that they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. In John 15, verse 2, he cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I was listening to the book. Uh, it took me a couple of uh, mowing times. And so I'm listening to this book as I'm mowing. And it was a book that I think some of the group is, uh, life groups are studying. It's called The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. And one of the things as I was listening, I caught, I just, you just catch a sentence and you just go, man, that was so powerful to me. And the sentence was this, and it's on the screen. God's grace is not unlimited. God's grace is not unlimited. Now, are we saved by grace? Absolutely. Absolutely we are saved by grace. There's no other way in which we can have a right relationship with God if it wasn't for His grace. Isn't that right? But this wonderful grace is not unlimited. We cannot live like a heathen during the day and expect God's grace to cover us when we're not even trying to walk in His footsteps. Because there is justice on the other side. There is judgment over here. There is grace and there is judgment. There is justice. And the righteousness of God can't put up with that. The remedy of our, for our apathy is to actually change our outlook on life. Change our outlook. We need to focus on how we, how we address why we're feeling the way we are feeling. And then we need to find a motivation in our hearts, a motivation that will help us propel us and keep us going in that right direction. Kind of a lifesaver. Some of the, kind of a, a life preserver that you can put on and, and go to that deep, when you're in that deep water of apathy, it will save you. It's there for you. When we get out of the boat, because, listen, 
all the boats are going to sink at some point. That's not the solid foundation you want to live your life in. We're going to need something to save us, an apparatus to help us while we're out there. That life preserver is our Heavenly Father. That life preserver is a right relationship with God. That life preserver is a right relationship with one another in the community that helps one another as we struggle, as we struggle to go where we need to go. All right, here's the second thing that we need. Besides the fear of God, we need the love of God. We need the love of God. We need to love God. And we all know this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Moving beyond apathy requires a passion. It requires a love for our Father, for our Heavenly Father, for Jesus. It requires a love that I'm all in for you, Jesus. I love you so much. I want to obey you. I love you so much. I need you in my life. I love you. And then it means that we also love others as he has loved us. And that loving others is how we help one another, encourage one another, build one another up so that we can be faithful. Jesus showed his love to his disciples by washing their feet. He loved them, it says, to the very end. And here's my last encouragement. Obey. Obey. God. Obey God. Listen to this verse. It's not typically one we use for this. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. Remember that sentence. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord your God you must follow. In Him you must revere. Keep His commands and obey Him. Serve Him and hold fast to Him. Okay, so who is, who is that modern-day modern dreamer that we're listening to? Who is it that's in our lives and in, in our world, and who are we listening to? Who's leading us astray? Who's, who's pushing us and pulling us and saying, no, 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 come over here. This is much easier. What thoughts or circumstances are pulling us toward this apathy that we feel? Who's putting these thoughts in our, hair, in our head? We're to re- obey Him. We're to revere Him and hold fast to Him. All right, let me ask you a question as we close this morning. Are you stuck in a boat right now? Not because of fear. Maybe. But are you stuck in a boat because you don't know a way out? Are you afraid? Do you care? It's easier sometimes to stay in the boat because it's scary where I don't know where to go. I'm comfortable here. Just to be honest, here at Lake Homa, we've seen a decreasing in caring. Our teacher pool has decreased, and those interested in leadership roles is less. As a church family, 
I'd love to ask you to think about your stuckness. But apathy is an environment that can be overcome. It can be overcome with the passion of the holy that we have in us, with the love for the truth of Jesus Christ. It can be overcome. We hold the answers, and we can do this. We can move past the apathy that we have in our lives right now. Yes, I know. Believe me. The stuff that's going on out there is hard. We are stressed. We're beyond a point where we go, I just don't want to do anything right now. And I'm with you on this. I don't have the answers. Because I'm feeling the same thing that you're feeling. I feel it in my own heart. I feel it in my own life. Why am I stuck? Why do I not want to get out of the boat? Let me ask you one final question. When Jesus returns, how will he find us? Will he find us drifting? Or will he find us faithful? I pray that he finds us faithful. I pray that we will continue to be faithful and, and walk in his path. I don't know. Is there an easy way out of this? No. But there is a way out. It's a way where we have a different outlook, change and think this is where we need to go. We want to love our Father. We want to love Jesus Christ. We want to love this neighborhood. We want to love God, serve others, and make disciples. That's what we've been called to do. And I hope we can continue to do that. If you're here today and you need the prayers of our elders, please get with them and pray with them. We need to pray for you as a congregation. Please come down to the front. We'd be more than happy to do that. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in baptism, do that today as together we stand and sing.